This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Week is winding down. I know it feels like it's always something new and the world's quite chaotic out there. Best we can do, though, is that which we have control over. And we always have a little bit of control over what's happening around us. So, um, you know, find the joy, <laughs> find the pleasure, and also know that this isn't going to last forever. Feel your feelings, though. As always, we want you to feel a full range of everything and drop really deeply into it. There's no such thing as bad or negative emotions. They're all just different experiences and they're all relevant and meaningful. And our emotions always are communicating something to us. So whatever you're feeling, talk about it, own it, sit in it and ask it, talk to it. What is it asking? What is it communicating? What does it seek? Oh, you got to drop down into that stuff. Often we think if I feel something bad or I feel something, you know, that I quote unquote think is a negative emotion, I'm sad, I'm anxious. We often think I got to get rid of it immediately, remove it, you know, distract, take a pill, whatever it is. But that is not always the best course of action. Um, got to learn how to feel the feeling. So right now, you know, suicide prevention month, we're feeling what we're feeling. We're asking others how they are. We're connecting, we're building connectivity. Cause remember, you know, intimacy is built when we share those weaker, uh, you know, more personal private parts of ourselves. That's when we walk away from an experience being like, wow, I really feel seen. I really feel heard. So make sure you're centering all that. Talk about some news, travel shaming. Who would have thought that that would be a thing we would talk about? Yep, people are being travel shamed. It's kind of a new trend, why? Because we're supposed to be staying home, it's a pandemic. Travel shaming is when your family or friends make you feel bad about traveling, getting out of your home for a while. Now it makes sense, shaming doesn't necessarily create transformation or behavior change. And as we've talked about, it's important that you sit down and let those around you know how they're impacting you, especially if you're cohabitating during a pandemic. But Shaming isn't the best way to do it, but I will remind y'all, everything you do impacts others, so be thoughtful. Also, new COVID helmets for frontline workers. I'm all about this. Students in Vietnam have been working on a new COVID helmet designed for the frontline workers. I'm all about that. They need as much protection as they can. It's designed to cover someone's face with a giant clear shield, right? Uh, go past their chin, gloves attached inside. I mean, this is almost like a full body thing. And then the gloves could be used to wipe sweat. Back of the helmet's attached to a tube with an air ventilator. Now, the helmets cost around $300 to make, so there's no word on when or how they'll be sold. But again, as the pandemic continues, we're looking at new ways to keep people safe. I'm all about that, right? Uh, also, people spent more time than ever binging TV and movies this summer. Well, that's because they were following the rules. They were living in care and compassion, looking out for others, looking out for those around them. I know you miss your friends. They'll be there still. Connect other ways. I know you miss sex, dating, and whatever else. Hang in there, y'all. <laughs> we're going to get to it. 
Um, but of course, you know, and that's why a lot of these streaming services have been releasing things immediately. I'm all about it. I was never a fan of having to go to movie theaters. I just don't like the way people, I don't know. I don't think people sit quietly. So I'm a fan of watching stuff at home. What I don't like is how the old rental fee is now the fee of some purchasing a film. So before it was about, I don't know what, $7.99 to rent a movie on iTunes or Netflix or not Netflix, excuse me, iTunes. That's where I watch a lot of the new releases. Now some of them 20 bucks just to rent. Pass, hard pass, not doing it, not worth it to me. Very few movies are worth it to me. But according to a new survey, the average person has watched, ready for this one, 20 new movies over the last two months. Of course, got a lot of downtime. 52% of people said they've streamed more than they normally would in a summer due to the pandemic. Of course, study concluded that Americans increased their average watching time by four hours per day. Good. <laughs> Drop the bar for yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Lay around. Do less. We're healing. We're resting. I'm personally exhausted even after I've done nothing, right? Everything's a little amplified. And so I'm one of those people watching a whole lot more. Also, the CDC is changing the way you screen passengers. Yet again, Center for Disease Control, who we lost faith in because of the way Trump and his administration has infiltrated. So we're not really 100% secure with anything they're saying. Center for Disease Control and Prevention has recommended that businesses and airports stop screening passengers for temperatures to, direct the corona, to detect the coronavirus. That I get because, you know, a fever is not the, the, the best way to really assess whether or not someone's positive. So I'm here for that. They released that there's a more effective strategy, including pre-electronic contact information right? Um, excuse me, no, it's pre-departure electronic contact information, right? In-flight and post-arrival health education, possible on-site testing, and post-arrival recommendations for self-monitoring. That's what's happening in Canada. They're going to just test at the airport and give immediate results, and then you'll know whether or not you need to quarantine when you get you know, home from the airport. I'm all about that. I think that's pretty smart. And also, um, finally, seven signs you may have already had COVID without knowing. You had a bad cold, Oh my God, you lost your sense of smell. Uh, uh, I mean, what about these wildfires and the smoke? You've been dealing with unexplained hair loss. You felt breathless at some point. You have a lingering cough that won't go away. You're really tired. I mean, I'm meeting a lot of those criteria, but I don't think it's due to COVID. I think it's due to the air quality and stress and everything that's going on around us. It is a rough time. Question of the night is up on our Loveland IG page. So weigh in on that. And later in the show, we're going to be talking about how sometimes the pursuit of success actually keeps you from being happy. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right. Now let's go to our next guest, Aisha Khan, bicultural LGBTQIA and mental health advocate at NAMI in Orange County. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how's your how's your own mental health doing these days? You know, we're all just trying to stay in there, right? <laughs> It's the best we can say, right? We're doing our best. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to amp up a lot of the self-care and all the things that I talk about with uh, those around me. Yeah, it's so important, especially right now. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the work you're doing. You know, it's really disappointing and upsetting when I look at some of the nationwide stats. So I was just thankful tonight just seeing some of the qualifiers that you have in your own title and bio, because again, we need to provide services that are needed and particular to some of the populations that we serve. Yes. Right. Definitely. So what do you see as being the focal point right now? It's National Suicide Awareness Month. We're working on raising visibility. We're talking about different ways for people to focus on resilience. What do you think is the most integral part that we should be talking about right now? 
You know, really, in my opinion, it's self-care, it's awareness, um, it's bridging that gap between self-care and awareness. I think that um, right now we're in a period of isolation, we're in a period of loneliness for a lot of people, and unfortunately, comes with that sometimes for, you know, uh, certain individuals is suicidal ideation. So really reaching out and also prioritizing taking care of ourselves is crucial. Yeah. I love the self-care piece. You know, it's become a buzzword. I don't know that everyone necessarily understands what that means. I'll ask that of clients that I'm still working with in my private practice and I get a lot of blank stares. So when you talk about self-care, what are the things that you advise to those um, that are coming for services at your organization? Yeah. Well, you know, self-care exists. I, in my opinion, self-care exists outside of any sort of organization. Um, of course, an organization can play a huge role in it. However, um, self-care can be just honoring yourself, honoring your decisions. Um, self-care can mean taking a walk. It can mean painting a picture. It can mean singing a song. It can also mean going to therapy. It can mean um, sticking to your treatment plan as outlined by a provider. So self-care is this very broad um broad thing, broad concept that can be applied in many different ways. Yeah. But of course, when they come to NAMI, we can help practice that self-care. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I was talking about the opening of tonight's show is how a lot of people are feeling a little pressure or anxiety about the fact that they're not necessarily maybe being the most productive right now. And I'm telling everyone, let some of your self-care <laughs> be dropping the bar down a little bit, which is hard for some people to hear and resting more. Oh, definitely. Rest is so important. I mean, without without adequate sleep, without adequate nutrition, um, without giving ourselves that time to refuel and recharge, we can't really be productive. Um, and right now, you know, for some people, being productive isn't on the top of their priority list. Sometimes we just need to survive. Sometimes, you know, it, right now in this environment, I think taking a step back and saying, you know what, I'm a human. We're all going through this collective really difficult experience in 2020, right? So taking that time to step back and saying, okay, let me make sure I'm rested and relaxed is so important. Yeah. And my heart goes out to some of those families that are trying to multitask. I can't imagine working from home, maybe having a partner work from home, maybe also having the children going to school from home. Maybe you have one computer or no computer. So what are the kinds of things that you'd recommend individuals dealing with that family stress? You know, carving out time for yourself. Carv carving out you time can be a part of self-care that is so important. Also, you know, really bridging the gap between the family. We are given such an important, beautiful, um, you know, we're given a really amazing time right now to connect with people we live with. And, you know, the typical rigmarole of life is just... Uh, we go through, we're on our phones all the time. Well, now is the time we can kind of, again, scale back and think, okay, who am I living with? Let's get to know my wife. Let's get to know my husband. Let's get to know my kids, my partner. So, um, you know, really establishing, reestablishing those connections. Beautifully said. So let's look at some stats. And, you know, stats like this really are heavy on my heart. So 30% of people that are part of the LGBTQIA community do not seek care. Now, what's yeah. especially problematic about that is that the LGBTQIA community are more than twice as likely to have mental health struggles as compared to the wider world. Walk us through that. So, you know, there are so many reasons why the, any any person in the LGBTQIA plus community doesn't want to seek treatment. And that is maybe because of stigma. Um, that is because of fear. It could be a whole, you know, myriad of things. Um, however, when you think of how LGBTQIS populations are disproportionately affected, that's when it becomes really scary. And that's when we start to loop back around into, okay, well, this is Suicide Prevention Month. So when we have combined 
people who are not wanting to seek treatment for whatever reason. Um, and then when we have that, you know, they are twice as likely to develop a mental health condition over their lifetime. That's, that's, a, that's alarm bells, you know, going off. And that's why it's so important to shed light on this issue. Yeah, I've, I've worked with some clients and going to seek uh, complementary or supplementary services have been misgendered if their gender presentation isn't, you know, apparent or, you know, there's no one there to advocate for themselves. Sometimes I know that individuals also have sought out help and they didn't feel like the mental health professionals or doctors were able to really speak to the needs of their population. So I know I'm always advocating for people to look around the organizations and make sure that there's representation. Yeah, it's so important. Right now, representation is a huge, it's a huge topic. It's, it's kind of, you know, in the center of our, you know, culture right now is equal representation. And let's not forget to add into that LGBTQIA population. All right. We'll be right back with Aisha Khan to talk more about suicide prevention. All right, we're back and uh, we got guest Aisha Khan, bicultural LGBTQIA and mental health advocate. Um, So what kind of services? I know that you're over in the Orange County branch. What kind of services? If people aren't familiar with the organization, what might you be able to help them with? Yeah, so I'm from NAMI, Orange County. NAMI stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We are a national organization. However, I am from the Orange County affiliate. Um, At Orange County, we offer a bunch of different programs, classes, support groups, peer support programs, all at no cost. And so what's amazing about NAMI as a national organization is that you will find throughout every single state, they meet the needs of the county that they are within. So that the programs may change from NAMI to NAMI, but we're all serving that purpose and meeting those needs. Um, I'd also like to plug in, we have something in Orange County called the Warm Line, which is now a 24-hour um, resource and wellness line. So anyone can call. It's completely free. Um, and the phone number for that, if I may say yes. it, is 714-991-6412. Beautiful. And I want people to take advantage of that. I, I, I've i worked with clients before that have said things like, you know, I wonder if the issues I'm struggling with are big enough to seek help or, you know, during a pandemic isn't the time. And as you kind of pointed out earlier, now might be the, the best time for someone to take that as an act of self-care or whatever might be going on. Um, I'm happy to be available to anyone in any way. And I've said to some clients, even if it's a privacy issue at home, you can use our session as a time to go for a walk, sit in your car, ask the other members of the family to go for a walk. So I want people to take advantage of these resources now. Right. Definitely. It's so important. And you know what? Um, it's free. It's it's free. And there are so many nonprofits. It doesn't have to be NAMI. I mean, I'm I'm happy to, you know, <laughs> preach NAMI. Don't right. get me wrong. <laughs> but it, it doesn't have to be NAMI. There are so many nonprofits that are just here to support our community members in need, um, especially with the LGBTQIA plus populations. Yeah. And also looking at the stats, I saw a couple of people that are really trying to start initiatives, getting more male identified people into therapy because mental health Mm -hmm. is something that's often underrecognized by people that are male identified in our culture. So um, how do you think we can start changing that conversation? I mean, the way I'm trying to do it is just normalize talking about mental health issues so everyone can see how universal it can be, or at least to identify themselves to others as a safe person that you can talk to about those things. Um, What other things do you think we can do to change that around gender? You know, I think that that's that's a, it's a very large question, right? Um, but I think you really hit it on the head, identifying safe people and really keeping in mind the stigma that kind of comes along, unfortunately, with people who identify as male. Um, there's, there's a lot of stigma around opening up and just sharing, having heart to hearts. 
there, uh, there's there's a lot of fear around connecting with another person because of how mental health may be viewed as weak. Yeah. So really keeping that in mind and identifying, as you said, that person is will be amazing to engage more, you know, um, you know, more uh, male presenting or male identifying individuals. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Aisha Khan. Coming up next, we'll be sliding into those DMs. All right, we're back, y'all. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page. As always, so weigh in on that. There's bad boys. We put them up every single day, so uh, jump in on it. Um, DMs, always open as well. Anything you have a thought or question about, get in there. Also, uh, I'm listening live every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's on all the radio.com handles, so check that out. The, uh, what is it, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, and also podcasted. Uh, Loveline over at wearechannelq.com so you can share, check that stuff out. And uh, yeah, let's do some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hashtag Ask Dr. Chris. Hi, Dr. Chris. How do you know when your relationship is over? It's not that I don't love my partner anymore. It's just that I think we are not in love anymore. Does that even make sense? I like this question. It's a difficult one, you know? It really depends on what you think the goal or purpose of a relationship is. For some people, it is about just being in love. You know, they want partnership, they want security, they want safety. And for them, the loss of love in some ways, even the loss of sexual desire isn't as meaningful or as important because whatever they've built and created with this person, that's why they're in it. And those other factors don't matter so much. You know, and of course, as time goes on, the newness and novelty of a relationship decreases a little bit, and that will always shift how we feel. And so the initial feelings aren't necessarily what we should look for down the road, right? And so it really depends on what you want. But others, they want to just be, you know, over the top in love, lots of full sexual desire. And for them, either maybe it's time to open the relationship, maybe it's time to exit the relationship. There's really no good solid way to determine if it's time to do that. I take a different perspective and I say, is the relationship toxic? No. Are your needs getting met? Yes. Then you consider doing some work on it and looking at what comes out of that. Some people, they don't necessarily really look at what's going on. They don't talk to their partner and say, how's it felt being in this relationship? Are your needs being met? Is there something we need to work on? I also remind people to keep dating within the relationship, meaning keep attracting, keep flirting, keep romanticizing. Sometimes it goes stale. We don't feel uh, the love because we're not allowing any excitement, excitement or newness. We just focus on, you know, staying in our safe zone and we don't go out in the world together. So I tell people, maybe try to just start having fun with the with your partner. You'll associate fun with them. It might increase all the things that you think are missing. Start traveling together, have date nights, dress up, go out, flirt, attract each other. See if you can bring that energy back in. We often think it's this linear step of we meet or we flirt, we meet, we then start cohabitating and we get married or we become committed. And then we just stop that courtship cycle, but you need to stay in it. So keep attracting, keep flirting, keep going out into the world, keep experiencing new things together, right? That's that's what really keeps that energy there. Sometimes the new relationship, it's not so much really about that person as much as it's just new and novel and that makes anything or anyone exciting, right? So you wanna make sure you've given the relationship you're in its best shot. Um, and it's really about what you're looking for and what you want to get out of a relationship. And that kind of determines whether or not it's time to go. It is a hard one, though. There's no really hard paradigm. Um, sorry, like a hard line paradigm that we can use to determine that, you know. Um, I know for me, as I age and my 
priorities in my life shift. For me, I seek stability and support and someone to go out into the world and do things with. And that compatibility is really powerful and meaningful. And I try to keep it new and fresh. I try to keep doing new, fresh things. I also try to keep digging deeper into newer levels of intimacy. Often, we keep things really safe and we don't go into our anxiety. And we know we're really building and working on deeper levels of anxiety. Uh, excuse me. We, we don't necessarily keep building intimacy is what I meant to say. And the way we know whether or not we're still building and going deep into intimacy is if we feel a little bit anxious. If we are sharing parts of ourselves, our thoughts, our experiences, our desires that make us a little anxious, that's how we know we're really deeping, dipping into that intimacy. You know, it's not just safe, comfortable things. And we've seen those couples out at restaurants that aren't really talking or engaging each other. And that's because no one's willing to drop deeper. They do have thoughts, they do have feelings, but they're just not sharing them. So try doing some of that work, give it its best shot, and then see where you land. And I would also bring your partner in on that conversation. I don't know that it needs to be unilaterally decided. Talk to them. Hey, I'm not sure how I feel. You know, I, I, I love you, but I don't feel as in love. How do you feel? What do you think that's about? I, I love adult conversations like that. Very transparent. Um, that's the kind of relationship you, could, you should seek to have where you can really reflect what's going on and what you're struggling with and let them have input on it. I don't think it has to be a solo private journey, you know, and see if they have anything and you like to shed on it. Maybe they'll say to you, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been afraid to bring it up. I'm feeling the same way and I'm not sure that I want to continue on in this. Let's just be friends and let's both go find new romance partners, you know, and so bring it to your partner. I think you're going to get a lot out of that. All right. Uh, question of the night coming up. So weighing on that, we're going to talk about how sometimes the pursuit of success can leave us without what we're actually looking for. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. And also, I hope you're checking out my live stream show, I'm Listening Live. That is every Thursday night on all the radio.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Check it out. It's always an expert and a celebrity talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID. And what I really like about it is it gives the celebrities and experts the ability to talk more honestly about themselves. And the whole purpose of the show is really to destigmatize mental health, talking about it, hearing about it, asking about it, and just really being honest with what's going on with us in COVID, making people feel seen and heard, giving some tips, new perspectives. It's been really powerful for me. Uh, really great people we've had on the show. So again, that's every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can check out all the past episodes on all the radio.com handles. And Loveline, it's always podcasted at wearechannelq.com. So you can go back and listen to past episodes, post them, share them, re-listen, and uh, follow us on our Loveline IG page. We always put a bunch of stuff on there, especially our question of the night. And uh, if you slide in the DMs, you can send me any questions you have about sex, love, dating, relationships, marriage, parenting, bodies. You know, it's all in there. It's all psychological. So again, some things are said that are never forgotten. And that's why you have to be very thoughtful about what we say, especially because you don't really always know what a person's history or trauma might have been. And we can re-trigger things. We can reinforce and strengthen a concept that someone has worked really hard to dismantle or weaken or get rid of. And we want to enter people's lives and leave them better off, make them better. We don't want to be a negative influence. Remember, we don't have to be in relationships, romantic or sexually. We, we do it because we want to, because we want a companion, because we want more beauty brought into our lives, because we want our lives to expand and get bigger, meet more people, do new things, have so 
someone in our corner, have some support. That's what the point is. Not to have someone control us, make our lives worse, shrink our lives down, make us feel bad about ourselves, take friends away. And you know what I mean? It's supposed to be an enhancer. We all say things we don't mean. So yes, that is part of being a human being, but be aware of what your triggers are because our triggers are for us to learn about ourselves and where our work is, where our wounds are. And we wanna be aware of also what maybe triggers our partners and do our best to stay away from that. But yes, be aware of the impact you're having and if you say something that's problematic, take accountability, acknowledge what you did, apologize and tell them how you're gonna be better and then go and be better. Because if you're in a relationship with someone who knows what your weaknesses are and they weaponize them and they are never better and they keep doing the same thing, they're not healthy enough to be in a relationship and maybe it's time to bounce. Maybe you're just not even compatible. Maybe the chemistry is not there, but whatever it is, let's break down some stuff to say or not say. Name calling, that's the number one thing. You have to fight fair. So calling someone stupid, lazy, whatever it is. Again, your job is not to make someone feel worse or worse off. It's to make them feel better, to enhance them, to empower them. Name calling is a form of emotional abuse. So you wanna make sure when you enter a relationship that you don't start creating the kind of relationship where that becomes normalized or acceptable. So the minute a partner might say or do something, you have to say, I'm gonna stop you, your name calling, and that's never acceptable. Please do not do that again. And if it happens again, call it out. And if again, you, you have to, it's, it's time to leave. This person then becomes emotionally toxic and abusive. And check yourself as well. If you find yourself doing that or you somehow think that's acceptable, you've got work to do around that. You might be toxic or oppressive towards and for someone else, right? Also, we don't want to we don't want to pathologize people's emotions. And I see that happening. They'll say don't feel that way or you're being dramatic, and that's either a form of gaslighting or again it's possibly emotionally abusive. Let people have their experience and their emotions. I want adults to process. I don't want them to vomit on everyone and flood them, but I want people in relationships to be able to be transparent and intimate, which means sharing how they feel and knowing that the partner will be there and hear it and process it with them. Honey, this is what I'm thinking or feeling. Oh, tell me more about that. Oh, I hear what you're saying. How can I help you with that? You know, or what impact am I having? Weighing in on that. That's very, very, very important. Um, another one is talking about your partner's body, especially negatively. Some people are open to the positive and the compliments. Others feel like that sets an expectation and it traps them. So that you have to really talk to your partner about. Um, ask them, you know, if I'm feeling really attracted or drawn to you, is it okay if I comment on your body or do you want me to give you more vague compliments like I think you're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But definitely don't make negative comments. Number one, regardless of what you're trying to do, know that shaming someone is not a motivating thing. You're just eating away at their self-esteem. Number two, it's really not your role or appropriate to weigh in on your thoughts about someone else's body. That's their piece, that's their struggle, that's who they are and you enter someone's life and they are how they are and who they are, and that might change, that might not change, but your work is again to be supportive and loving and caring, and if the chemistry's there and the compatibility lean in, learn how to love and work with your partner, but we also have to accept that we're talking about humans, and over the course of our lifespan due to illness, medication, aging, and other reasons, our bodies might change. Time, energy, I know personally there's been times where my, my body's constantly changing, going in all different directions because of time, energy, and goals I might have for myself in that area or other areas. And I personally am in a relationship with someone who's very much open to the idea that that's not relevant or meaningful. 
and our connection, our chemistry is built on other things. So we want to be very thoughtful about what we comment on and how we critique our partner's body, their behavior, their emotions. Because again, the whole, the whole anchor to all of this is really pay attention to the impact you're having on your partner. I see people that overly value this idea of, I tell it like it is. Well, I'm just being honest. None of those things make it okay. None of those things are actually ethical or legitimate, loving or rooted in mental health. Mental health and ethics are, again, transparency, truth, honesty, but wrapped up in care and compassion and considering the impact. Is this needing to be said? What impact will this statement have on my partner? Is there another way to say it? Is this actually something that's saying more about myself and I need to work with this on my own, right? So we have work to do, but I hear too many people just really normalizing bad behavior or traumatic statements around. I'm just being honest. I tell it like it is, things like that. So let's just be a little more thoughtful about the impact we're having on others and the impact others are having on ourselves. All right, question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, we're going to talk about the pursuit of success. So of course, when someone says, I want to be successful, we're all high five and we're all supportive of that. It makes sense to us, but we have to really pay attention to how someone goes about doing that. And also to what detriment, what might be ignored or diminished or, you know, negatively impacted in pursuit of whatever it is that this person deems to be the definition of success, right? Like, what does that even mean? Is that um, a place of achievement within a corporate structure? Is that rooted in, in finance and access? Is, is it in materialism? Is it in a professional title or label? A lot of these things are just social constructs. They're not real. And what that also means is it doesn't promise anything. You know, we've done a lot of studies on happiness and there's a formula where new things will always make us a little more happy, but there's a length of time. And at a certain point, it no longer has the value it holds. And the way we can, I mean, the best example I give to understand that is how you'll get a new car and it's your baby and it makes you excited and you're proud of it and you really do everything you can to protect it because it's exciting and new and it has a fragility to it. But as time goes on, yeah, you don't worry so much if someone gets in there with dirty shoes. And if you spill something, you're like, ah, it's fine and you leave it. And it just starts to shift and it doesn't give you the excitement it used to give you. We also have a lot of studies on lottery winners. And as people achieve more and make more money, they start to accumulate more and their life gets more complex. So it doesn't necessarily get happier. It only gets happy for a certain length of time. And then they hit the plateau and their life is just more of the same, just with a different income bracket. But because they start purchasing in alignment with this new increase in finance, it starts to balance itself out. Now, in order to be really successful, it often takes a lot of time and focus. But that can be to the detriment of your friends, your family, your self-care, your health. And that, to me, is no longer success. That might be materialism. That might be achievement within corporate culture. But to me, success is about contentment, joy, happiness, mental health. I don't believe we can have a definition of success that doesn't incorporate mental health. And if you're working long hours and you're tired, you're burnt out, uh, you have no relationship socially or familiarly, you're not taking care of your health physically or mentally, um, congrats on the, on the more money, but like, to me, that's not success, right? So we want to focus on what that means. Um, you know, again, American culture really idealizes and valorizes overworking, right? And that can continue to push us and push us and push us. But 
there's plenty you can do to retrain yourself, to chase happiness instead of success. And I think that that's what we should be looking for and not even happiness as much as contentment. And contentment often means just letting yourself be where you are and happy with what you have. Because the pursuit of happiness, I think is a useless pursuit because nothing will give you that long-term and the things that kind of promise that often let us down. Um, so we want to be very thoughtful about that, you know, and also looking at research among elite athletes and other successful people, depression and anxiety are very, very, very common when their career ends, right? They almost get trapped. And I see that happen even with people that acquire the quote unquote ideal gym body. There's so much stress and pressure that's required to get that, where they're not eating out with friends, they're getting up early, they're not as available to everyone around them, they're hyper-focused, and it's supposed to bring them all these things, but it, it doesn't necessarily, and then there's an anxiety at maintaining that because they think that that's what's making their life better and happy, and there's a depression when it's lost. I also see that in employment, and we're seeing that with COVID. People have these high-powered jobs making a lot of money, and their worth and their definition of success was tied to that. They've now since lost that, and they don't know where to go to feel okay, so their ego is injured by that. You know, these this materialism, their, their gym body, their finances, their corporate position, their wealth, it was a respirator for their self-esteem, but it wasn't actually giving it to them, right? It was borrowed functioning as we call it. And when that's removed, you're left with yourself. And that's why it's all about contentment, right? But we live in a comparison-based culture. Social media is very much rooted in that. And we see what other people are up to and we use that as our bar. And as I keep saying, especially now, we have to drop the bar because of a pandemic. But in general, I want people to do 70%. 100% I think is us burning ourselves out, exhausting ourselves. And 100% for anything is gonna be a detriment to all the other important elements of your life. And that's why I say give 70%. Be good enough. Don't be perfect. Don't be great. Be good enough. Be content. And that will give you time to focus on other things, other things that are actually going to be more beneficial to your well-being, right? You can't always have both success and happiness. And I want to share a little study with you. It was done through positive psychology, and it was a study on people who are the happiest. And it looked at three things that all of them had, and it wasn't materialism, and it wasn't finances, and it wasn't you know job titles. The first one was they had relationships, um, either deep social ties or romantic ones. It didn't necessarily matter, but they had a social network and that was distracting. That was support. It was a healthy distraction. It was a healthy support. It brought them out into the world. It, you know, all the different elements that are positive and beneficial from socialization. They had that. The second piece is they also had meaningful, they had a meaningful engagement with the world. They were participating in the world in ways that are important to them that made them feel accomplished and that utilized their signature strengths. And signature strengths are the parts of us that we most value, what we see to be our assets. So if what you value and are your signature strengths are your artistic capacities and capabilities, but you're working in you know finance and numbers, that is not going to meet those needs. And that's not going to lend itself to some of this happiness. So it's about finding career work that's aligned with what you value most. Um, and some people's pursuit of success is not rooted in things that they value or what they need to do to get there isn't rooted in what they value. And that doesn't allow happiness. And the final attribute was some form of spirituality. And I think the value in that is that it connects you to something greater and bigger than yourself. It, uh, it creates compassion and care beyond and outside of yourself again. And it kind of reduces some of the ego. And I think that that's really, really helpful. And the pursuit of success can be quite the opposite of that, right? It's the detriment to all these other important factors in your life with a single focus on this one thing but then it often leaves you alone and isolated. So we gotta pay attention to the process and also what the goal is. What's that rooted in? Who tells you you need that? Why are you not okay without it? 
you know? We gotta break it down in those ways. Uh, all right, coming up next, question of the night, and then some DMs uh, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, right, we're back. Time for question of the night. It's been a really rough year so far, and arguably it started off badly in February when Kobe and his daughter, along with six other people, tragically passed in a helicopter accident that happened here in LA. I remember when that happened. That was a cultural moment. That was really hard on a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Very heartbreaking to witness. Um, question of the night is tied to that. It's what are some things you've been able to do to take your mind off the stresses around you? And there's, there's a lot of stresses around us. I appreciate that. And right now we're talking a lot about amplification, which means the things that maybe traditionally wouldn't have been very stressful, they now are. And people are being a little shocked by what's feeling overwhelming. And that's because of the current state. We don't have access to the things that maybe ground us or make us happy or our self-care. All, or we have these overarching concerns about our health, our safety, politics, finances, career. All of these things just weaken us. And so when they say that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that's not true. Often for many, that which doesn't kill you or harm you makes you weaker. And this is an example. All these things that are swirling around can erode at our our safety and our, our sense of solidness and groundedness. And so that's why I'm always talking about self-care, rest and pleasure, all these things that we can try to build in to better kind of give us some resilience through this time. So be kind with yourself and know that things are amplified. What normally might be a four is feeling now like a six or a seven. And those things that were normally like a seven feel like a 10. I'm experiencing that. I'm very fragile and sensitive some days where I'm really cautious about what I engage, checking my phone, looking at social media, looking at emails, because I know I'm not in the best place for more complexity, right? Because that's what it is for me. I'm getting stressed out by just the complexity of some things in my life. So question of the night is, what are some things you've been able to do to take your mind off stresses around you? First one said, I feel like I'm asking myself this question a lot. Where did it all go wrong this year? I try not to think about negative things and I've been planning little trips for the future so I have something to look forward to. Yep, that's what I'm kind of doing as well. <laughs> I have a list of things I, I can't wait to do as soon as it's safe because I'm trying to follow all of the rules. I want um, I want this thing to kind of go away so we get our lives back, right? I think that's kind of the stance we're all taking. Someone else said, I've just been trying to focus on myself. I think the world needed this shutdown, but we definitely didn't need to lose so many good people. Yeah, I, I, I can see where this could be a cultural moment where we wake up and make the necessary changes. I'm not really seeing that happen. But the loss of life has been horrific and the stresses that have been put upon people. Driving the other day through West Hollywood, it really hurt my heart to see all the businesses that have had to close because of COVID. It was really heartbreaking. Places that are really familiar and important to me or just to the local community, you know? And it's very sad and disruptive, further disruptive, further stressing when you're seeing some of these landmarks close. Um, just heard the closure of another bar that was really popular and important to many people and a job for many. It's really sad. Question of the night again is what are some things you've been able to do to take your mind off stresses around you? Someone said family has been super important, even if we hate each other sometimes, LOL. I know, right? It's the love hate. But uh, you're you're happy to have them if they have if they're you know healthy at their core. Uh, someone else said, "Now that sports is back, that's been a nice getaway." Before it was really tough watching the same seven Netflix show. I know, I know, I know. Netflix can't pump out new material fast enough. But I have been going back and watching some stuff that I haven't seen in years, rewatching, and there's there's something really soothing in that. 
you know, so I've been going back and rewatching shows. One of the shows I've been watching, and this is not on Netflix, and I don't know if I talked about this, The Good Wife. Oh, uh, to me, that was a show I'd never heard of, and then I saw it, loved it, and I've now seen it many, many times. So I throw that out there, and I've also been watching some old Survivor series uh, seasons. I don't know what that's about. I think it's because it's it's simple, right? Like it's dynamic, it's interesting, a lot of movement, but yet it doesn't require a lot of thought on my part. <laughs> Question of the night are what are some things you've been able to do to take your mind off the stresses around you? Someone else said every month has sucked. I try to stay off social media every day and I've unfollowed a bunch of people. I appreciate that. You can always refollow if you feel, but yeah, you got to create a sanctuary around you. And that means paying attention to the impact the things you're following have on you, whether it's seeing people not follow the rules or it's seeing people do things that you miss and don't have access to anymore. Uh, loneliness. I appreciate that. So take care of yourself. Sounds like that's what you're doing. Someone else said RIP Kobe. Nothing has been right since February, man. Ain't that the truth though? I think January was chill, right? And then February, the ball just started rolling. And I was talking to a friend up in Santa Cruz. The fires, heartbreaking. We now have that to battle. The the California wildfires are here. We just can't get a break, y'all. Somebody else said, my kids going back to school is taking up all of my time. So LOL, it's okay. It's uh, uh, though, it's nice with them. I can see that. Kids add that like little extra distraction or <clears throat> cuddles and care and fun. That's what's you know, really sweet, I think, about having children around is they really bring you back to the basics. You know, I know that they can be difficult, but they can also bring you back to the basics and remind you just to play and to lose yourself in these simple things and find joy in them, right? Like they just really model simplicity and ease and also complexity and difficulty. Like I appreciate that they are full total beings. All right, coming up next, we're going to be doing question Oh, no, we just did question night. What am I saying? Coming up next, we're going to be doing DMs. See? I'm lost in my thought. All right, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question for you, but it's kind of long. All right, we're here. Let's see. Uh, I grew up with three older brothers. Recently, my oldest brother passed away after my mom found him at the house, not breathing. We're all over the age of 25, and I feel like my parents are hiding things from us that really happened. They say it was an asthma attack. I'm not so sure. It's my brother, our brother, and we have a right to know what happened, right? But how can I confront my mom and dad about this? I'm sorry, I just have no one else to turn to because everyone's telling me to just ask them. But when I do, they just say they don't want to talk about it. It's so frustrating. And there's no police report or autopsy, so I can't just investigate. But I need to know, do you have any advice? It's a tough one, and I'm sorry to hear that. You know, when the information is something you don't have access to on your own, and there's gatekeepers like your parents, you're at the, you're at the uh, mercy of their limits. I'm not sure what this is about for them. I don't know if you're, you know, a family unit that doesn't have a lot of vulnerable, uh, excuse me, vulnerability or transparency. And so this is just kind of how they operate and they're not really comfortable talking about someone's struggles or issues and they personalize or feel like not great parents. I'm not sure, but it sounds like you have to honor where they're at. If you've asked and they said that they don't want to talk about it, the best you can do is every now and then circle back and explain to them the meaning of it. Tell them why you want to know. Let them know the impact it has on you not knowing. Let them know that it's blocking your ability to fully mourn the loss of your brother. 
And that's how further information might allow you to really finish the mourning process and move on with your life. And they might be able to empathize with that. You know, make it less about, you know, just wanting to know more and make it more about the impact it's having on you psychologically and hope that that's meaningful for them. But if it's not, then you have to accept the boundary that they've set. And that's often very hard. You know, we want closure. Rarely do we get closure, whether it's from a breakup, a death, whatever it is. And we also often have to move forward not fully knowing what happened or why what happened happened, right? And that's just kind of part of the human condition sometimes. So I don't know what it is about your brother's death that's triggering to your parents, but clearly it's something. And, you know, the other entry point other than, you know, circling back, like I said, and letting them know the impact it has on you psychologically, um, Another route is if your family has a lot of, uh, has a very low level tolerance for closeness and truth and intimacy, start building it. You know, start building the kind of relationship with them where we have vulnerability. Start opening up more in general and sharing more and getting closer to them and work your way up towards such a disclosure. For some families that don't have that familiarity or comfort, we can't just roll in out of the blue demanding it, you know? And so sometimes we have to work up towards it. Maybe it'll take months, maybe it'll take years but start to create the kind of family dynamic where we are familiar with sharing and expressing and going into that deep level of intimacy, the kinds of levels that make us anxious because it's so real, it's so authentic, it's so raw, because it sounds like your family has a low tolerance for that. Uh, that's really the best you can do. Otherwise, I empathize with what you're going through. I'm sorry to hear that that happened, uh, but uh, we often have to honor other people's limits and their boundaries, and that's how that goes. You know, moving forward without the needed information or full closure, you know, heart goes out to you. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore it with confidence. That is our show. You can check out old Loveline episodes at wearechannelq.com. It's pad, uh, excuse me, uh, what's the word? Podcast. I'm sorry, it's been a long day of talking. I think my mouth is quite tired. Um, check out I'm Listening Live, which is on all the radio.com handles. We'll be back. Uh, on Monday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. The weekend is coming, so make sure you focus. Make sure it's a weekend where you feel regenerated and nourished and rejuvenated, so take care of yourself, self-care, pleasure, and rest. You know, we want our weekends to be a recharge of the battery, not just more stress and more work. So keep the bar low for yourselves. Give about 70%. Sleep in, take naps, eat good foods, uh, reach out to individuals that you care about and, uh, you know, we'll see where we land. So as always, thanks for hanging out with me and you all have a beautiful, beautiful night.